0: When was the last time your heart was really full, full in a happy and joyful way? Perhaps it was when you were able to spend some time on vacation with family or friends and you were able to just hang out and enjoy all that the location you were in had to offer. Or perhaps it was just a long dinner with someone you love very much and it seemed as though the fellowship was as generous as the portions of food on your plate or perhaps if you are a christian perhaps it was a time of worship where it seemed that the service was perfectly coordinated to speak to your heart and in and to your mind and you left feeling full in every way or perhaps it was just a special time of listening to the Word of God and praying on your own, and you knew that you were loved and cherished and by God and that He was with you and would take care of you in every situation. When we have these kinds of heart-filling occurrences, it's difficult for us to sort of re-enter reality. We would like to stay in that moment of specialness, but the reality is God uses those times of refreshment to help us re-engage in the life that he He has called us to live. We see this as a beautiful example in the life of Jesus. Last week when we studied the book of Luke together, we were looking at an amazing passage, a passage we talked about being able to see uh, through a window into glory as we were talking about a special time on the mountain with Jesus, Peter, James, and John where Jesus's true glory shone, what we call the transfiguration. But of course, that wasn't the end of Jesus's ministry. It is in the middle of his ministry, and what happens immediately after this time of great encouragement? Well, Jesus re-enters reality, and immediately begins to minister to those in need. Let's look at that as we continue in Luke chapter nine. We're going to be picking up uh, today in verse thirty-seven and reading through the first part of verse 43. Listen as I read God's Word. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him, and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. Thus in the reading of our text. Let's pray now and ask that God will bless us as we study his word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, even now that you allow us to read about Jesus. We are thankful, Lord, that we see here another occurrence of Jesus ministering to those in need. And all of us who come to your word today are needy people. We need you to minister to us, even as we study your word. We need you to help the one who listens, to hear it, to believe it, so that through the power of the Spirit, they might be changed. And oh, Lord Jesus, I need you to help me that I might speak this word about you in a way that helps people and enables them to know you better and in a way that brings you honor and glory. But of course, Lord, we need you for all things. We need you even now, Lord, because some who are listening are struggling with sickness or pain or broken relationships or shattered expectations, dreams that have withered, some are upset because they are estranged from those who are even in their family and we pray O lord that you will be present in every one of those needs lord some of us are in need simply because life hasn't returned to normal the way we expected and we need your persevering grace as we wait for what you will have for us in our life. Lord, some of us need even today to have an experience with you like perhaps we have never had or have not had in a long time of knowing your love and your grace, of being able to experience your presence in a sweet and special way. Be with us and help us in our needs. For we cry out to you, O oh Jesus, amen. So as we look at this text today, I want us to look at uh, three aspects of the text. First of all, I want us to look at who Jesus is referring to as the faithless generation here that he talks about. Secondly, I want us to look at this story of the Father. And lastly, I want us to see the majestic nature of, Of Jesus again seen in this text. So first of all, I want us to address something that I think is really glaring as something we need to talk about when we look at this text. We're not surprised to see that as soon as Jesus comes down from the mountain where his glory was manifest uh, to Peter, James, and John, that he is immediately back in the rhythm of ministry with people who need his attention and his healing touch. And what does he say? Well, he says something that's interesting. He says in verse forty-one, "O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Now, why does he say this? This seems like an odd thing to say after this very needy father, who we'll talk about in just a moment, comes to him with such an obvious and heart-wrenching need. Why does he say this? Well, there are two things I want us to recognize uh, as we look at this expression of Jesus's. First of all, uh, the, uh, the gospel of Mark gives us a lot of insight into this. Uh, if we were to go over there and look at the gospel of Mark, when he tells this story, he uh, shows that when Jesus comes down from the mountain where he was transfigured, that there was an argument going on and it was going on between some Jewish religious leaders and the apostles now we don't know exactly what they were arguing about but many surmised that the argument was over the inability of the disciples uh, to heal uh, this uh, this boy who had a spirit that caused him to have symptoms that look a lot like epilepsy And so perhaps they were arguing about that, or perhaps they were arguing about the claims of Jesus, but they were in an argument. We also find out in the gospel account of Mark that the disciples uh, tell Jesus that they had tried to do this Uh, but they were not able. And then after Jesus successfully uh, cast the demon out of the boy and heals him, they say, how come we weren't able to do this? And so I think this statement makes more sense when we see it in that broader context. But secondly, I want us to understand it in a broader biblical context. You see, when we hear Jesus saying, oh, faithless and twisted generation, to us, it sounds like a harsh condemnation of the disciples and those that are standing around. But to someone who is familiar with the Old Testament, which of course everyone in this encounter would have been, this would have echoed as something that they had heard before. For instance, they might've heard it uh, from a passage we see in Deuteronomy chapter 32. There uh, at the end of Deuteronomy, we see uh, what is called the Song of Moses where Moses summarizes uh, God's wonderful, miraculous intervention for the people of God and their, uh, unfortunately, often uh, insufficient response to that. And here's the way he talks about uh, God in verse 4. He calls God the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he. But how does he refer to the people that he has been leading, the people of Israel, the people of God? Verse 5, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are crooked and a twisted generation. Do You see, this is the kind of language that simply points out that these people, those that Moses was talking about there in Deuteronomy, and the people Jesus was uh, encountering there, his disciples and those around, falls short of the kind of faithfulness uh, that you would expect, given the amount of revelation and the amount of deliverance that they had already witnessed and experienced. And so this is what Jesus is saying. And this is helpful for us to think about. How do we respond to the work of God that we already have experienced? Perhaps we've experienced by reading passages like this one in the Bible. Perhaps we've experienced it by seeing God answer prayer in our own life or in the life of those that we love when the next challenge comes along, what is our immediate, our instinctive, our reflex action? Is it to trust God and have a peace knowing that he will accomplish his perfect purpose in the situation? Or is it to be anxious, to worry, to panic, to basically be uh, as though we have no faith? Too often, even those who love God and follow Jesus Christ, we react in a way that is more faithless than is faithful. And here, this is something uh, that Jesus is pointing out. And by doing so, he's saying, uh, essentially, do the opposite of what you're doing. Believe, believe. Why are you uh, faithless and twisted? In other words, why do you have things turned around the wrong way? Look in the right direction and all will be well. This is what he's saying. And this is true in my own life. It seems like almost every day I essentially get twisted. I'm turned around looking in the wrong way for solutions to things that only God can, and I believe will, address. Here is an invitation. Stop being turned around the wrong way and stop being faithless and begin looking in the right way and being faithful. But secondly, I want us to see in this text, this father. Now that's special, especially this weekend. If you're uh, watching on the weekend that we have uh, recorded this message, it is Father's Day weekend. And while uh, if you go to the, uh, the store and buy a Father's Day card, you will see all kinds of uh, witty, funny, and usually inappropriate cards about dads. It's interesting uh, what the greeting card industry says about how we view our fathers. But this was not a funny or flippant father, but this is a faithful father. And truthfully, this is a father who is in a desperate situation. Why? Because he has one child, a son. Now, this is the third time in the Gospel of Luke that Luke has pointed out that Jesus encounters a parent who is concerned about their only child. We see it in the widow of Nain. We see it in uh, Jairus. And here we see it again in this man. He has one child, a son, and this son is heavily burdened by a physical and a spiritual condition. It is a physical condition that's being brought on or uh, certainly aggravated by the presence of this evil spirit. And this is a good thing for us to see because I think that many of us either have parents who are very concerned about children who are in deep spiritual or maybe even physical need, or perhaps we are parents who have children who are in spiritual or physical need. And we need to look at this father. What does he do? Well, we can really read into the story, and I'm I'm being clear that that's what I'm doing. How did this father come about bringing his only child, this son, uh, to be healed by Jesus and his disciples? Well, most likely he had heard about the power and the teaching of Jesus. He had heard about the wonderful things that he was doing. And when he heard about those things, he immediately thought, If only I could have that kind of healing power applied to my needy son. If only my son could be delivered. I am so thankful for parents, especially my father, since it's Father's Day weekend, that faithfully prayed for me for years when I was spiritually in need. He didn't give up. He still doesn't give up on me, but he continues to pray for me. Why? So that I might be dealt with by Jesus, that I might be delivered from those things that are oppressing me or discouraging me by the one who can do something right. I'm so thankful for a father who looks to Jesus for the help that I need. But am I a father? Who looks to Jesus for the help my children need? I certainly strive to be, but too often I simply worry about them or have anxiety over them. Instead, I need to entrust them to the Lord. Do you know that that is something that my wife and I had to learn when our first child, Anna Grace, was born? I can still remember being overwhelmed that they would allow a 25-year-old couple to bring such a precious and seemingly fragile little thing home from the hospital. And to be honest, the responsibility of caring for this child overwhelmed me. And I can remember I was actually in graduate school studying the Bible and theology at the time. And I can remember that I thought I have to be able to apply everything I'm learning about this precious child who I love so much. And so my wife and I began to practice even then putting our child into the hands of Jesus, knowing that he would have the best plan for her that he would help her in the way she truly needed to be helped, and that he would deliver her from those things that truly imperiled her. And by God's grace, he has done that, and he has done that for our son as well. If you are a parent who is listening or watching our message today, I want to encourage you that there is no power greater than Jesus Christ. And so therefore, there is nothing greater than we can, that we can do for our children in need than to continue to look to Jesus in prayer, by faith, continue to take them to the Lord. And the Lord, in his own good time, will see that he delivers them in his own good time. Does he always, each and every time, do what we ask him? No, because at the end of the day, he knows what's best, and that's what he will do. But he loves to answer the prayer of the faithful parent. So continue to pray. I was just encouraged by that as I look at this passage on Father's Day. Lastly, though, I want us to see this majesty, the majestic nature of Jesus. Now, last week, we looked at it on the mountain, uh, this week, I want us to see it in the mess. You see, uh, it's possible that if Jesus were not uh, the the person He is, that He would have come down from the mountain and said, "I just want to continue enjoying." this spiritual uh, high that I'm on. I don't want to be bothered by all of this fussing and, and all of this clamoring and all of this need and, to be honest, all of this failure from my disciples who should uh, have learned more and be doing better. He could have done all of those things, but of course, he couldn't have done those things and still been the Jesus that we love and worship. no. His majesty, His glory here is seen by engaging in the mess of this Father and His Son and engaging in the needs of His disciples and those around who need to remember where their faith needs to be. And that is very important for us to think about. I think too often we think about our own lives and we think our life is just too messed up for Jesus to want to have anything to do with. This situation is just too far gone for Jesus to want to engage in. But the reality is that Jesus came to engage in difficult and messy situations. And he does that uh, even here. And I want us also to see that when he does, uh, work uh, this out and actually cast this spirit away, thus healing uh, this son. Notice this precious phrase that he gives him back uh, to his father. In other words, he's glad to be a part of the restorative process that this father so desperately needed. He needed to have, if it will, his son back for this spirit and this uh, epileptic kind of seizure had taken his son from him. And Jesus, in grace and mercy, gets into the mess to restore what this father had lost. And this is a beautiful picture of what the Bible calls incarnation. That is that God, beautiful, glorious, almighty, infinite, uh, eternal, and unchangeable, becomes a person. In the person of jesus christ he is incarnated and he is not incarnated into a perfect trouble-free world but he is incarnated into the world we inhabit a world filled with uh, trouble and sin and need and sickness and despair and it's god who is with us in these things that make the gospel that much sweeter and precious to us, that we did not clean up and thus earn God coming to us, but God came to us in the mess of our sinful lives in order to bring grace, mercy, and peace to us. What a tremendous message for us to hear today. In what areas of your life do you need the presence of Jesus Christ? How do we have this? Well, we have this by learning about Jesus and by believing that he is God who's come in the flesh, believing that he lived a perfect life, and at the end of that life, died on a cross, not because he had done anything uh, sinful or messy in his life, but because he took the place of messy sinners like me and like you. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to show that he had done all that was necessary for messy people like us to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. You see, that's how we can experience the majestic presence of Jesus in our messy lives today by looking and to him and believing in him. Perhaps we've been looking uh, at ourselves or looking at someone else in the world or looking uh, to some other person uh, that we know or care about, and they will never bring us the deliverance that the majestic Jesus Christ will breathe, may we be reminded to look to him. Yes, if we're a parent for our children, but also for ourselves as we look to this majestic uh, changer of lives who can be the majestic changer of our own life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for time and your word. We are thankful that you in your grace, got involved in the mess of our lives, that you care for us there, that you are patient and long-suffering with us there, and that you, when we look to you, deliver us, Lord, from the mess of our lives, that we might enjoy sweet fellowship with you now in your uh, in, in your uh dwelling our lives and for eternity as we dwell with you. We pray, O Lord, that you will help us not to be turned around or twisted and faithless, but to be firmly fixed upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we look at this Word. What we are doing as we go through the Gospel of Luke is really doing a Bible study together. I hope that it's encouraging to you. If it is, let us know. Uh, Drop us an email or uh, go on our website and learn more about us. We'd love to hear uh, what you're getting out of our study of God's Word together. Uh, All that information is on the screen. Also, we want you to be blessed not only by listening uh, to these messages, but we want you to be blessed uh, with the blessing that God promises in His Word. Listen uh, to this blessing from uh, the in- end of number six. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.